Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Pure Hoops podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. The Pure Hoops podcast most definitely does reflect the views of our management. Here's three-time NBA champ BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. Lucky enough to be out in LA in BJ's office, which uh, features some some great visuals from the history of the league. I always I always love coming out here, not just because I get to see him, but uh, it's a great reminder of. Uh, uh, the world we get to work in. And uh, as I look at the signed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar jersey, Wilt Chamberlain, Bill Russell, um, you know, the appreciation for the game is, is it's, it's, it's always there. And uh, I have to say, last night being at Staples, uh, Wednesday night being at Staples as we record this Thursday, there was a, uh, a spirit to that game from both sides that was really, really cool for, for November. And, and I know getting you out of the house to go to a game at this point is not the <laughs> easiest thing. And I know you didn't plug into the game like I did last night, but um, Clippers Celtics, it felt like a playoff game from your perspective. I'll share more about my experience in a moment, but from your perspective, seeing Paul George and Kawhi Leonard together and that team at full strength, play against a quality opponent, uh, what did you see in, uh, from Clippers Celtics on Wednesday? One word, finally. <laughs> that was, that's what I, what I thought. Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, clearly two of the upper echelon players in the NBA. When a lot talked about, there was a lot of movement and excitement in the air about the Clippers, the fact that we're talking about the Staples Center in November, playoff-like atmosphere, and the Clippers are mentioned. It has nothing to do with purple and gold. It's such great. A, it's such a different vibe. There it's, too. it's great for it's great for Clipper Nation and Kawhi Leonard again. Last night showed why he's Kawhi Leonard. He is an exceptional, exceptional basketball player on both ends of the court. He makes big plays on both ends of the court. And Paul George, offensively, I mean, that was a great matchup with him and Jason Tatum. Some exciting basketball, two well-coached teams. I don't know if it was a playoff-like atmosphere, but certainly it was very exciting this time of year to see a very competitive game. Goes into overtime, Clippers prevail at the end but if goes Celtic, to a game Celtics like that, had the game yeah if you go, did. yeah yeah it'll, it'll be did. a good learning experience for them but the, the Clippers are just well you get them up by 10 and all of a sudden 
you know, 90 seconds later, it's back down to two. You know, the, 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 the one impressive thing about the Clippers thus far is that they win games ugly. And I really, really respect that. Eric, I really respect when you can yeah. find a way to win games ugly. I mean, they didn't play well. They didn't shoot well. These guys are just, you know, the first time they played together. It's a lot of things, a reason why they could find a way to win, to lose the game, and they find a way to win the game. And that is what makes them very scary to me. That's what makes them a team that you have to consider them to be one of the best teams or a championship caliber team. And last night was no exception. They found a way to win that game. They did. Um, Celtics, I got back to the hotel, and, of course, I put the TV on. And the, re, the, <laughs> replay, the replay you, is on. We watched the game. So I'm sitting there, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. They had him 86-76. Then they had him 94-87. And they just they, they, they couldn't they couldn't close him out. And then, obviously, Tatum, with one of the – Best one-on-one moves <laughs> I've seen in a while against <laughs> against an elite defender. We see great one-on-one moves all the time where an offensive player has a clear advantage over a defender. Right. Paul George is an elite defender. The fact that Tatum was able to make that move and make that shot to tie the game at that point was, was incredible. But watching Pat Beverly and Marcus Smart on the same court do what they do at a high level and both have huge impacts on the game, I mean – I'm sitting in the corner, and somehow I got first row seats in the corner, so it's it's an elevated sight line, and I'm on right. the I'm on the end, and there's this you know four foot by four foot area because it's it's temporary seating they put out, so when the game gets exciting and you get up, you have room. I'm I'm literally in a stance <laughs> in the fourth quarter watching Marcus play defense. That's how that's how fired up I was and the crowd was. But Pat Bev. 16 rebounds? Are you kidding me from the point guard position? And the play Smart makes throwing the ball off Kawhi going out of bounds. Right. They're on the floor, but scrappy, beautiful at times, ugly at times, and as you like to say, suffering for it. Every <laughs> possession. Yeah, you when you watch Pat Beverly and Marcus Smart and Montrez and Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, you get an opportunity to see the game played on both sides of the ball. And the thing that's most impressive about a game like this is that every shot was contested. Every play, every sequence was a highly contested, whether it was a loose ball, you saw great plays, hustle plays, big time rebounds from a point guard. I mean, that rebound that Pat Bev had at the at the end of the game there, he threw it out to Paul George when he made the three. That was a big time rebound. Huge. And you just saw plays like that. You saw effort and energy plays that you have to just bring it, you know, that you just have to bring that individually and will yourself to win. So very impressive, very competitive. The Celtics certainly had their chance to win that game, wasn't able to close it out. And the Clippers, you learn something about the Clippers is that they can grind a game out. And when you start grinding games out, that gives you an added confidence. And again, that the way they're winning, when I say they, the way the Clippers are winning right now is the league should take notice because they don't have to shoot well. They don't have to depend on their offense to win games. 
which is scary because they have three guys they can go get a bucket on right. their own at any point. And as a championship caliber coach that Doc Rivers is, Doc Rivers will find a way to get the ball to his best players in an operating area. So, you know, when you watch him, when you watch Doc coach this team now, he's allowing the players to figure out who they are, what they are, and where they want to go. One of the interesting interesting things last night that I found very interesting is that Kawhi Leonard clearly established himself as the go-to guy for the team. And the team, you know, they deferred to him in all key situations, which I found very interesting because I that's what I've been waiting to see. Because a championship caliber team, the number two guy is always the most important guy. If he's not comfortable being the number two guy and wants to be the number one guy, you're going to have dissension on the team. Right. When the players were called last night, the ball, without question, was going to Kawhi Leonard. Yep. And that gave me a championship caliber team. I said, oh, they have the championship mentality. They know who their go-to guy is. They all know what their roles are. And they know what they got to do to contribute to the bottom line. So on many levels last night, Clippers gave me more confidence of why we should really consider them the best team in this league. Yeah. And now other teams, can they get there? Yes, other teams can get there. But right now the Clippers are there. And now it's about them just executing and finding a way to get through the regular season as they get to the playoffs. They've got the individual talent. They've got the team make makeup and DNA. People forget. I mean, Lou Williams was their leading scorer. You look up last night. He's got 27 points. He, he's there in the clutch when you need him. He's there when everyone collapses on Kawhi. He, he, he's there to provide that just steady other option and the guy plays with such calm and confidence it's it's really incredible two really impressive additions to your points on the clippers the fact that new role players like jamichael green and mo harkless are already comfortable in their roles doing whatever is asked of them and doc's strategy of putting uh, Harkless on Kawhi Leonard for much of the evening uh, w was a real advantage well, for the Harkless, Clippers. Well, Harkless, you mean on well, Harkless Kemba on, the, on Kemba Walker. Okay, yeah. yeah. Harkless on Kemba, it slowed him down. It made him uncomfortable, um, bigger, longer defender. Kemba never really got into that rhythm, but um, just guys accepting their roles. And you said it. They, they know how to win ugly. And, and they do. And I then mean, Kawhi and Paul George can come down and pull up from anywhere as long as they've got, you know, vision of the basket and, and, and make it happen. And then on the Celtics side, um, to play a game like that in the midst of a five game road trip without Gordon Hayward and be in a position like that to, to, to win the game. It's a game that they should have won. It's a game they can take a lot from. It's a game they should feel good about despite losing because they know they went toe-to-toe -to -toe with who many consider the best team in the league. And, and the Celtics, listen, easy schedule out of the gate, some, some nice home games for them. But as you know, BJ, this is a league where you've got to win the games you're supposed to win. And uh, 
I felt good about the Celtics going into the season, but if you told me they were going to start the year 11-3 and three in this manner, have guys in and out of the lineup and play that type of game against the Clippers, uh, I'll take that. Ten times. Here, here's I'll take that ten, ten times out of ten. Here's my question, though, with the with the Celtics. Yeah. How much better does Gordon Hayward make this team? Gordon Hayward to me last night. Does he for, push for them example, over the top here, or is this just? We all can agree he's a very nice player. Yes, he's an all-star caliber player. He's a pro's pro. But is he good enough to push them over the top? Or is he just a very nice player? What are what are the fair expectations? You know, it's an interesting way to frame it. Does he push them over the top? Because I mean, they're eleven and three. Yeah, I mean, how much course. better can they be? What are they? Sure, and he was a big part of their start to the what season. What are they? Fourteen and zero, or yeah. what, what? They've lost. They lost a one possession game last night, and they lost the game in Sacramento by one point where Marcus shot fell off the rim. So, you know, we can we can always argue they should be thirteen and one, but. To me, the biggest difference Gordon Hayward makes in a game like last night is they can't load up on Kemba. If Gordon's on the floor, they can't load up on Kemba like that because he's another guy you have to worry about and stay close to. Plus, he's been handling a lot of the playmaking duties and been doing a lot of the things off those elbows that Al Horford was doing last year and making it very difficult for the defense to concentrate on any guy. He's also somebody that when he gets a foot in the paint, He's very difficult, either as a scoring option or as a facilitator when help comes. So I think this team, and everyone was saying this team is going to be really, uh, really have trouble in the front court, really be thin in the middle. And Daniel Tice and Ennis Cantor and Robert Williams III, they are holding their own right now as this three-man platoon. Tice had double-digit rebounds last night, Cantor a presence. Williams is out there as just a rim-to-rim runner who can rebound the ball, catch lobs. They're holding their own. So with a healthy Gordon Hayward, this team's going to be very, very good this season. Do they need to add another front court piece to come out of the East? I think yes. But again, we're only in November. I danced around it a little bit. Yeah, but I yeah, wanted yeah, to make you, that you point. Dance around a little but, bit. But I'm but, thinking, I'm thinking, I'm watching the game last here, night. Here, here's, and I'm here's like, one of Gordon the in this game with how these teams match up with the guard talent, the wing talent. How they interchange who's who's playmaking and 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 who's waiting for help to come. It's it was it was a great chess match. So when you Gordon. when you I'm gonna say this when you in today's game the way the game is played the way the game is officiated the way the game is seen from the perspective of pace and space because that's what we're talking about now. Um. Clippers and Doc Rivers, they made an incredible adjustment last night. Doc Rivers, being a guard himself, understands the following. Size and length always trump speed and quickness. He decided to put a taller defender on Kimber Walker. Now, Kimber Walker is an excellent player. He's you know, he, he he takes care of the ball. He does all of the things. He has leadership. He can score, and we know those things. But when you start going in the playoffs and you play against really good teams, 
Whatever it is you have that's deficient in your game, some you can control and some you can't. He's a smaller player. Mm-hmm. Now, they say, well, what did you see or what, what I thought I saw last night? I'm going to put size and length on him. That's going to bother Kimber Walker. Yeah. Whether, it's on, whether, t- it's on whether tape the now. Celtics fans base want to admit this, that's going to be a problem, provided that I have size and length to guard him. The, the Clippers can do that. Second, Kimba's strength of a pl- as a player will always be isolation, in particular screen roll, because you can't switch on him. Right. You can't switch on him, but the Clippers can. Yep. And if you don't have a player right now that can play that game, a la the New York Knicks. The New York Knicks right now have one problem. They can compete. They're a tough group. But they, when they go to screen roll, they don't have that one player that can, especially at the point guard position, that can break down the four or the five on the other team to create havoc in the paint. The Knicks, just to be clear, have a lot more than one problem. The Knicks, but, in but, my but, humble but, opinion. But I get you. But I get you. They don't, they don't again, have this that, is just one they don't, have, they don't have that breakdown guy. Like last night. I watched the Knicks last night. Wednesday night against Philly. Against correct? Philly. Yep. They're up 17. Yep. They got one problem. When the defense turns up, and, and, and if you have a guard, you can run one five screen roll versus, versus Philadelphia all day. Because Joel Embiid, Nine times out of ten, is not gonna play every possession, especially when you're down big like that. Yep. There's no way that you shouldn't be able to get a quality shot. I'm not saying you hit the shot, but you shouldn't be able to get a quality shot versus the Philadelphia 76ers. Now, versus Al Horford, that's a different story because Al Horford, he can switch. Mm-hmm. Explain to me in today's game the way the game is being played how you can play the game without having a point guard who can break down the other team's opposing bigs. You ha- that's, everyone, I, talks, I, everyone talks about Steph Curry shooting threes. That wasn't the game changer. The for, game changer. Forcing the switch. Is forcing Breaking the switch. it down. Yeah, that, that's Absolutely. the game changer. And, and that's why, and just to, to close the point on the Celtics, that's another thing that Gordon brings to the table, right? So if Gordon. Well, I think against some teams, against some teams, but I can't live on a steady diet with Gordon Hayward doing that. That's not his game. No, the reason why I'm so excited about the team is it doesn't have to be a steady diet of one thing. You have Kemba, you have Tatum, you have Hayward, all who can be facilitators and scorers and playmakers with Brown and Smart being those steady here, here, compliments. Here, here is, here's what I'll say about that. I, 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 I understand what Listen, you're saying. I had a really good iced coffee this morning. Enjoy my green smoothie. You should. Don't you, take me out of this. I'm not mood. taking you I'm out. I'm never going to be in a mood like this again but after we have a loss. To point out, we have to point out the obvious. This guy. When you have a star player, a star, that star player is going to demand a double team below the free throw line. He's going to demand a double team. He's going yep. to demand it. When Kawhi Leonard catches the ball below the free throw line with a live dribble, all bets are off. And you saw it last night. This is the difference between a good player and a star. Kawhi Leonard is a star because he's going to demand the double team. I don't know which one of the Celtic players, because they have really good players, 
is going to demand that level. Fair point. Great point. We've got to move on. We've got to move on to another guy who is demanding double teams every night. His name is Luka Doncic, the Dallas Mavericks, a team that we thought could show some improvement this season. They have. Luka has been unbelievable. Two triple-doubles this week. I believe eight for the season. The guy had a 40-point triple-double. Dallas has the Rockets, the Clippers, and the Lakers coming up over the next 10 days. Young team, young star one, Luka. First stops, number two. What are we going to learn about the Dallas Mavericks with these matchups over the next 10 days? Luka Doncic is putting up huge numbers. Check. Luka Doncic is a young player who appears to have a career projected on the numbers he's putting on that's going to be a superstar in this league. Check. Now it's time to figure out when that's going to occur. Is that a two-year process, a three-year process? What else is needed? Now it's about being able to evaluate how good this kid is going to be. He's a player. He's got size. He's a strong kid. Leader. Leader, Leadership and all those things take place in, in, the, in the playoffs. That's where all that happens. Fair. But, for a, but for a young talent, for the, a young the player, leadership and the basketball IQ, is, it's, it's well, frighteningly this kid, impressive. This kid has been a pro since he's been about 12 yeah. or 13 years of age. So he's clearly adjusted to the lifestyle of what playing night in and night out is all about. But the thing that I like about him is he plays the game at a pace. He has figured out how to play, even though he's not shooting a high percentage from three or anything. He takes tough shots, so. I understand why he's not shooting a high percentage, but he makes timely shots. He takes big shots. And he has shown the ability in year two to accept the responsibility of being the best player on the team, which for a young player, that's a huge step. Now let's figure out how good he's going to be. Let's look, and that can only be achieved by him playing night in and night out. And his reputation will be earned and deservingly so in the playoffs. And how good he can be, that will be determined when he gets there. I don't want to give him too much too soon, but clearly no one can argue about the numbers he's put up, what he's been able to do thus far. And I'm certainly a fan of what he's been able to achieve. And especially in the in the Western Conference. I mean, this is a young team and he has shown that he is for real. Now let's see how good he really can be. And if he can deliver. That's that's the big thing. I'm all, I'm all about the performance, performance of a player delivering what we've come to expect from him. Right now, we have to say where he's really at on the on the curve. He's in year two, and he's capable of putting up massive numbers, massive numbers. Yeah, I mean, this is this is all going to be growth oriented with them in terms of what's right in front of them in the next ten days. But but this season with how this roster is constructed, obviously building around him, building around Porzingis. One more thing on Dallas, let me ask you this. Is this a team that stays the course, is on this 
two, three, four-year plan to evolve into a championship team? Or is this a team because we know what kind of owner it is? We know they've got a, a top five head coach, this young, burdening talent. Is this a team that's going to look for a deal in the middle of this season to try to propel themselves into the middle of the pack in the West? Well, let's properly evaluate their talent. We know we have Luca, we have Porzingis. We have two young players that we know are very talented. Now let's evaluate them. And if we can make the assessment of where are they in the, in the, in the pecking order, are they top 10 players in this league? Is Luca a, a top five player in this league? Is Luca a, an elite offensive player, but a average defensive player? We have to give these kids an opportunity to figure out who they are, what they are, and then be able to properly make the assessment so that we can figure it out. <clears throat> I don't think you bypass the steps. So I think this is going to continue to be a three or four year process because again, how do you build a team in today's game? How do you build a team? Now, if you try to build a team through free agency, we know where that goes. You have to draft players. You have to get these players where they're all in the point in their career where they're ready to win. Give these guys a little time in particular, Luca and Kristoff, Kristoff Porzingis, give them a little time to grow mm -hmm. and figure out where they're going to be. Porzingis is going to need another year or two to be able to take on the physicality of the game. He's just coming off a significant injury. He still is getting his timing back. So when is he going to be ready to carry that load? Because you're going to need two or three guys on a roster in addition to Luca who can get a 30 point, who can go get you 30 in a playoff game if you're going to go through the playoffs. Yep. Yep. So I like what I see. I like what they've done. I think this has been a great way to go about the process. I mean, they haven't been good for the last two or three years. Suddenly now they have a player that we know offensively is capable of putting up numbers. But as we know, Eric, you and I both know, when we sat there, you went to the game last night and I watched the game. Who on that Dallas Maverick team can get a stop like Kawhi did last night? That's what we're talking about here. I don't think Mark Cuban, and I know Mark, is coming here to say we want to be just in the playoffs. Who on the Dallas Mavericks team right now can go out and defend the game like a Tyson Chandler could or Sean Marion could when they did win the championship. Yeah, not in the same way. Not in the same way. No. Now, they have some nice young players on the offensive end right now, and you see the potential. I'm excited about their potential. But right now, you know, let's not get carried away of saying that they are ready right now. I like what I see. I like their youth. I like their potential. I, I, I think they have hope there in Dallas. And I think in a year or two, or whenever these young players are ready after, you know, you got to figure out who they're going to be. They could be a really nice team provided they put the right pieces around. Yeah. And, and you mentioned it. Who, who are these going to, these go-to third, fourth options going to be? Who are those steady role players going to be? Is Tim Hardaway Jr. elevated his game enough to be a, a number three option? DeLon Wright, I thought was a nice pickup. They like Dorian Finney-Smith. Seth Curry's there to shoot the ball. Dwight Powell's more of a role guy. They need to add more, but um, a really good job 
by Cuban being able to turn the end of the Dirk era and pivot to this and have the team uh, back towards an upward trajectory instead yes. of floundering in, all right, how are we going to rebuild? Who are we going to be? So um, we'll, we'll keep an eye on Dallas. As we said, Rockets, Clippers, and Lakers coming up over the next 10 days. Um, quietly, at least to me, it was quietly. You know, we, we look at the scores every night. We, we watch the games. We see the headlines. We go over what we want to talk about. Everyone's doubting oh, Harden and Westbrook. And then it wasn't the smoothest start. They get into it on the floor a little bit. They had an eight-game winning streak stop the other night in Denver. <clears throat> they faced the Clippers Friday. They faced Dallas on Sunday. We've talked about the team's quote-unquote limitations defensively. Um, Houston, I don't think, could be happier with the start they've had. What, what are you seeing from the Rockets, and what are you seeing from the, the Westbrook-Harden dynamic? You know, I feel like every year we say the same thing about the Rockets. And the Rockets can score points. I think we all ex we've come to expect when we watch a Mike D'Antoni team that this team is going to score. They're going to score in bunches. They have a prolific score in James Harden. But the main question then and the main question now is defensively, are they going to be able to be able to be an elite team that defends consistently on the defensive end? That is the question. Whether they have an eight-game winning streak, whether they have an eight-game losing streak, they have two players who no one can take away are NBA caliber MVP players. They have a coach that as good as any in the NBA. They have role players. As good as any. Oh, Mike D'Antoni, he's a terrific coach. He's a terrific, wow. terrific, he's a terrific, <laughs> terrific coach. And in order to be a great coach, you got to have great players. <laughs> Helps, doesn't it? <laughs> so this man understands the game. He understands how to prepare for a game. He respects the, the, the players, how they play. And now it's just a matter of the players going out and doing what they need to do. I mean, he's going to have them ready to play. It's just a matter of will they be able to consistently go out there and give the effort and energy necessary. And that effort and energy is about what kind of effort you're going to bring to the defensive end when you talk about the Houston Rockets. So, you know, they're going to, they're going to win their fair share of games because of the way they play. But, can they win that the game, that game? And we know what that's going to require, and we've all said it. So let's just see how it plays itself out. You know, we were talking so much before the season about the pecking order in the West. The top eight is almost definitely decided. Then Steph Curry breaks his hand. We now know the Warriors are <laughs> going to be – at the bottom for the season, the Spurs and the Blazers both sitting at five and ten as we sit here recording this on Thursday. Uh, um, Minnesota, Phoenix, Dallas, Sacramento now climbing back up. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see how the 
bottom half of the playoff race develops. But just to button up Houston here, to me, it's become Lakers, Clippers, Nuggets, Rockets, Jazz are the teams that are going to separate themselves. And these evolving identities that we're going to continue to see from teams like Utah, who obviously added Mike Connolly and Bogdanovich, Houston, who added Russell Westbrook, Tyson Chandler has had an effect on that on their team and culture, uh, and then obviously the continued evolution of the Nuggets, the Lakers and their new parts, the Clippers and their new parts. So, um, a, a lot of fun watching these teams come together and, and already seeing some some real quality stuff here in November. So, to shift back to the Eastern Conference. We have uh, the, the schedule makers really do a nice job with this. So do you know that <laughs> Jimmy Butler coincidentally has back-to-backs with Chicago and Philly on Saturday coming up? And Miami is off to such a good start this season. We knew they'd be competitive. I thought it would take a little longer to figure out who they were going to be as a team because of all these additions and they're implementing these young players. Well, what has Jimmy brought to the, to the heat and heat culture? Well, I think when I, when I think of the Miami heat, I always, I think it was for many years having the opportunity to compete against him when he was coaching was Pat Riley. The, the thing that sticks out to me about a Miami team and every year when I speak to him and we meet and 15 strong, right? 15 strong. The leadership that Pat Riley provides is an, he's amazing. And every time I meet with him, he's one of my favorites in the NBA because of his leadership. He coached in this league. He played in this league. And the one thing that's always been a mainstay with him, whether it was in the eighties, nineties, now is that he's always had toughness i think a lot of people don't realize that because of showtime showtime. right there's a line in one of those great nba entertainment videos or docs and they talk about riley and they say riley's not the hollywood hills riley's riley's schenectady new york riley's tough to the bone and i'm not shocked that the miami heat are playing well is because you don't develop toughness. You don't create toughness. You draft it. It's either it's present or it's not. And Pat Riley leadership demands mental and physical toughness. So this team, and that's carried down to Spolstra. Carried down to, to Spolstra. It's carried down to the players. Make no doubt about it. The Miami Heat are going to compete. Now, they may not play well. But the Miami Heat are going to compete. That's one thing about Pat Riley and that organization. None of this tanking or developing or (laughs) we're going to get players who are ready to compete. And we're going to have a competitive environment. And we're going to be a, a tough physical group. He's that's that's who he has been. Now, whether he when he was coaching the Knicks, there was no doubt that that was a tough group. <laughs> when he went and started coaching the Miami Heat, 
I mean, he built group. he built the Miami Heat in the in, in the this, same exact way it, he structured that Knicks show, team. And people don't understand, but I think people do. Showtime was Showtime, but when you played against the team, they would grind. They knew yeah. how to grind a game out. And that's what and that's I what learned made, very quickly so when I came in this league. Like, okay, that everyone did the things they had to do for television and entertainment, but the the the, the game itself was about grinding the game out. And did you have the the mental and physical capacity to play in that game at that level? So, to me, Pat Riley has been very consistent. I think when you look at when you look at, uh, you know, down there in San Antonio with uh, Popovich, he's a grinder. Steve Kerr is a grinder. Phil Jackson is a grinder. So we're beginning to catch on that that's how you win and you consistently win in this league. Yep. If you're going to be, you know, at that level, you know, Doc Rivers, when he was, when they won a championship with the Celtics, the ultimate grinder. They were grinders. Yep. Larry Bird was a grinder. <laughs> so this is nothing new. I think what is is what is new now is that we've gotten away because now we hear so much about pace, space, and analytics, and three-point shooting, and PERs, and true shooting percentages. This game is still you know, one when you got to dig in. This game is one when players got to get out there and defend, get second up. And Pat Riley has traced, he has stayed true to that. He stayed true to that. And so I think the game, as much as it has changed, it will always remain the same. And I give him credit because they play hard. They play the right way. They have terrific leadership from the top down. Excellent coach. And Jimmy Butler and these guys fit right in. Jimmy Butler is a blue-collar player. That's what he is. That's what caught everybody's eye. When he's, played, of, when, he was, when he's playing 42 when, minutes a game for the when Bulls. When I saw him in Marquette, uh, I can't think of the coach's name. Um, the, the, the coach that ended Marquette. up at Virginia Tech. Yeah. Uh, yeah, is it Buzz? But yeah. yeah, yeah. That's what he is. Yeah. Like, that's what it's so, this is nothing new. You know, Dwayne Wade, he's a grinder. All of the players Mar- who Mar- understand. Marquette guy. Mark. That's Doc Rivers, you, Marquette guy. guy. Jay this Crowder. Is what they do. Jay Crowder. Jay, Marquette Crowder. guy? Marquette guy. Yeah. So all of these guys, Matthews. Wes Matthews, yeah. That's I loved when Marquette got into the Big East. Yeah, you, had, you had them into that Big East grind. But so, yeah, so, yeah. One, so one more quick thing. One, one concern for Miami, they lead the league in turnovers. So is this a question of figuring out how these young guards – um just just maturing evolving in the game is this guy's trying to make too many plays do you and i have you and i not watched enough heat tape yet because i can't nail the reason why they turn the ball over too much but they're a team who's also going to create a lot of turnovers so when you, you have a when you have a young guard yeah so it's hero and young and uh and, and, and none you're yep. when you have young guards you're gonna you you have to live with the turnovers right yeah. when Magic Johnson first came in the league. He led the league in led the league in turnovers. Steve Nash, same. That much usage, that much volume. It's when you are young, yep. you are and you're playing that position, you have to live with that. Now, 
the fact that none and hero and these guys are doing what they're doing at such a young age also is like wow but you got to live with it that's just that's part of the growing pains of being a young guard in this league i like it because they play hard and they're fearless i mean these guys are getting like 20 points on the road yeah these guys are fearless um and this kid none I don't know where he came from. Like it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's it's been they, unbelievable. They, they, yeah. They've been added to my league pass watch list. Yeah, he, he. I mean, they and they have a team, and they and they defend. I mean, the the Bam kid is like, he's ascended now to where he's consistently playing at a high level. He's a, he's yeah. a problem. Yeah, he's a problem. He's got a big body. He's in great shape, and yep. you, you love what you see from this team. I know it's early, but I like the effort that they're bringing, and I like the the toughness that they have, and. And they're getting great play from their guards. And you got to have great guard play. You know, I will say this very quickly. The NBA game now is is reminding me more of collegiate basketball, what it used to be, because you have to have excellent guard play mm. to perform up here. Yeah. You have to have excellent guard play. And if you don't have a guard today that can get you 18 to 22 points, it's going to be very difficult to play because of the way yeah. the style and, and, and the way be the, game the is floor played. general and, and, and you have to be able to do it you have to be able to play the game at that level now to really perform and go deep in the playoffs yes yeah. and as we talked about uh i think a week or two ago they essentially have two starting backcourts on that team they start none with butler they bring hero off the bench with goran Dragic, who has great right. experience great court presence and uh they're they're a team that's going to be very good uh, for the entire season. One team that made some more news this week, the Portland Trailblazers, who obviously have great guard play, but they've been really struggling elsewhere. I, I don't think they realized how much they were going to miss role guys like Harkless and Aminu. Obviously, they brought in Whiteside, who's playing the five with Nurkic out, but Zach Collins goes down, and uh, they've struggled. They brought in Carmelo Anthony, who I think is going to uh, have the potential to help them and bring them some front court scoring. Um, but uh, on the way out, a guy that I thought had one more last run in him, and uh, that's Pal Gasol. He was waived by the Blazers. Last year he was on the Bucks, did not play a lot. Uh, I thought he'd be a, a presence for them in the postseason, but he just wasn't healthy enough. And um, this, this could be it for Pal. 18 seasons, six All-Star games, two NBA titles. So before we talk about Carmelo quickly on Portland. Um, Pal Gasol's career, what he brought to the game. What, what are your quick reflections on Pal? Because this might be uh, this might be it for him. Well, it just goes back to the first time I saw Pal play in in uh, in Spain when I went to see him play. I was scouting. Actually, at the time, I was working for the Bulls, and you saw this big kid in. Immediately, you saw a kid offensively that had great hands, great footwork, soft touch around the rim, left hand, right hand. And you just didn't know how it was going to translate in the NBA because there weren't many kids who were playing the finesse game, if you will, right. <laughs> uh, that were coming over from Europe to play. But to his credit, he gets drafted there by the Memphis Grizzlies and plays for Hubie Brown plays and for, plays in the playoffs with Hubie Brown. Yeah, he did. That and was huge for him at a young age. And he 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 had a, an amazing career. You know, all the things he's done for his country, playing in international play, 
clearly what he was able to do in an 18-year career here in, in Memphis, then gets traded to L.A. and comes out here and, and wins, what, two or three championships? You know, hey, what more can you ask? He's, a, he's, a, you know, he's an all-star, what, five or six times? Mm-hmm. Six-time all-star. And so, you know, he's had a Hall of Fame career. And what he's done in the country, Spain, you know, not only himself, but his brother. I mean, it's it's really been yeah. it's been a it's been a, a remarkable run. They're and a great story. It's a, it's just a great story that they've had, and the way they've been able to adapt. You know, when Paul came in the league, he was a low post scorer, and then he, he moved his game further and further away. He was shooting threes, yep. screen roll. He's a terrific passer. So. Both hands around the rim. Yeah, and really good high low player too. Yeah, I mean, he really he has good. a you know, terrific understanding of the game. Yeah. And uh, and he had size, you know. I, I think that's one of the things he's kind of undervalued with him is when you see him, he's a big man. I mean, he's over seven feet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the he, wingspan is crazy. Yeah, and you, you you like what he brought to the game, and you know, with father time caught up with him. Yeah, and that's been tough. He's been battling some injuries, and you saw the kind of the decline there when he went to San Antonio and. And finally, you know what? Hopefully, he's going out on his own terms, and uh, you know he gave it everything he had, and I'm sure he'll move on. And whether that's coaching or doing something there back in his home country, comes he's so well respected. So, you know, you gotta say bravo. Hats off to him. Al Gasol going to the Lakers during the 07-08 season, where Kobe had them playing well. The Celtics were rolling in the East, and as soon as the Lakers got pow, the collision course started for those teams to meet back together in the finals. And Powell played great up until the finals. And in that final, he was outmuscled. He was he was he was physically beaten up by Garnett, Perkins, Big Baby, Leon Powell. And I don't know what the conversation was like between him and Kobe Bryant after that series ended when the Celtics kicked their ass in game six. But Pau Gasol, the way he came back from that, for the 08-09 season and then for the 2009-10 season, when they won back-to-back titles and how great he played against the Celtics in 2010 in that great series, it was so impressive to see him rally from that experience where it was clear he was not ready for that and elevate his game and elevate his toughness to a, a whole nother level, win two titles. Uh, really, at that point in Kobe's career, you know, I don't know if the thought was, oh, he's the perfect front court complement for Kobe at this point in his career, where the dominance of Shaq was earlier. But he turned into that. And maybe it was the whole international thing, Powell from uh, from Spain, Kobe spending so much time in Italy. But they had this really unique bond and they were beautiful to watch together and uh it, it, it was it was it was a great it was it was great to see that happen and great to see Pau Gasol get to that level uh with the Kobe Bryant so uh, I think we'll see him in the hall one day uh quickly back to Portland you know as we record this on Thursday the Blazers are walking into a very tough spot Thursday night at the Milwaukee Bucks on national TV but big picture here for Melo we know all the drama that's happened off the floor. He's back in the league. He's with the team he was rumored to, to have interest uh, in him 
dating back three years to when he was still with the Knicks, Lillard would make these public statements that were mostly fun saying, yeah, we'd love to have Melo, but he's not here right now. What does Carmelo Anthony bring to the Blazers? What do the Blazers need from, Carme from Carmelo Anthony to get back into this race in the West? You like that second layer there, don't you? Yeah, I, I do. And I, I want to be fair to Carmelo Anthony. You don't just take a couple years off and then come back and all of a sudden be. Played 10 games last year, and this is his first time back in an NBA training, situation. Miss training, miss training camp. So I'm going to be fair to Carmelo. I don't, my expectations aren't very high. And one being of where he's at in his career. I mean, this man. This young man has a lot of miles on his body. Yep. This isn't the young Carmelo that we, you know, we all love and remember, you know, when he first came out of, out of Syracuse. And this is this is not the, 2009 the, conference the, finals, Melo with Denver. This is not 2013 50 plus wins with the Knicks. This is this, a different guy. This is where he's at in his career. I don't think it's fair to say, what do we expect to Carmelo? Look, you don't. This league is not a league where you don't, you know, attend training camp. You don't take two years off and then come in and then just start playing. That's not how this works. So I don't have expectations that Carmelo obviously is a big name. He's a huge personality. And Carmelo at 45 is going to be able to get 10 points in an NBA game. He has the gift. He has the special sauce. He can score, and he will always – Carmelo will be 60 years old, and he will be able to score. That he can do. He, the, the man is a walking bucket. Okay, now now we're talking about how are we going to integrate that into a team, and what does this team need? This team needs consistent role players to do the things that's necessary to assist. Which is why they were in the conference finals last year. There are star players right now, which are Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. That's what they need. That's what they need. They need the role players, the Harkless, the Aminos, and all of the players who are going to do all of the little things that's going to contribute to the success of that group. Carmelo coming there getting 25 a night is not going to do, not it. Going to do it. He's got to defend. That's He's not, got to rebound. That's not going to do it. Carmelo can score. I know he can score. But it is our job. As coaches, executives, media, is to put Carmelo in position to where he can do and contribute to, the, to our bottom line. And if you're asking me where can he contribute, he can contribute as a guy that you know, we can put in, can score when we need it. You know, this reminds me of a – Carmelo at this stage reminds me of a player that I play with in Orlando with uh, – with Chuck Daly, the late Chuck Daly, named Dominique Wilkins. Dominique, uh, during a game, I, him and I played together down in uh, Orlando, and Dominique had one of those games. Like Dominique was the veteran, and we had Matt Harpering. I think was a was a rookie on this team, and Matt Harpering was struggling the game. We put Neek in. Neek has like 30. Puts in the end. Neek can just score. I mean, that's yeah. his. So immediately the question was, oh, 
Dominique's got to be in the rotation. Next game, Dominique doesn't play. <laughs> and so it was like, so Nick and I were sitting on the bench and I was playing behind Daryl Armstrong at the time, Penny Hardaway. And, and Chuck was great. I mean, it was a joy to play for him because he was radically honest. And he, it, it was like, it, it was like no nonsense, you know? So, so we're getting on the plane and I was like, coach, you know, Dominique had 30 in the last game, and then he gets a DMP the next game. He was like, my job is to make sure that I put everyone in their right roles so that we can have the success of the team. Dominique will come and score 30 points again, <laughs> and then we have a real problem. <laughs> <laughs> and I just thought <laughs> it was the funniest thing to me that he knew that Dominique was such a pro that he would be ready to do that. Yeah. And he did at age 39. And he was like, Dominique can play and score against a one-on-one when he's 45. Yeah. Dominique had seen double and triple teams his whole career. Not going to help you guys grow. But it's not going to help us grow. It wasn't going to help us. And it was so funny to me that he was just so radically honest. And I remember him saying that and telling Dominique and all Dominique could do was laugh. But the fact that he respected Dominique's game so much to mm-hmm. say, you know what? I know you can do that. And I respect the fact that you are a pro and that you were professional enough to do it when I do call you. And the Dominique's response was classic. But when you do put me in, <laughs> I just know what I'm going to do. Yeah. And it was great. And Dominique always knew and the team always knew when he did come in the game, he wasn't there to pass. He wasn't there to set screens. Yeah. Clear out that side. And it, it, and it was the greatest lesson for me to watch how the coach respected him so much i respect carmelo so much that if if i was working with him there's no point to have him in the game if he's not trying to score because that's what he does sure but you also gotta say when he is in the game you gotta maximize what he's doing because it's i think it's unfair to expect anything else at this point uh, during his career and he's had an amazing career We'll keep an eye on it for sure. Great, uh, great stuff today. Great to be back in the in the same area code, in the same room. Yes, um, it is. We've got to get you out here more often. Yeah, I'll be back again uh, before the holidays. So we will we will do this again. So um, big stuff ahead this weekend. Quickly, um, Friday night, Celtics Nuggets, Rockets Clippers to put on your. NBA viewing radar Saturday Miami at Philadelphia Jimmy Butler back in Philadelphia is going to be quite a scene and um, I'm just checking here one other highlight for the weekend for us to keep an eye on is Dallas and Houston on Sunday and as we talked about Dallas has uh, some nice tests coming up so Another episode of the Pure Hoops podcast in the books. You know what's amazing, BJ, at this point? I've forgotten how many we've done. So we got to continue to amp this up. Special thanks, as always, to producer Mike Lieber, Bruce Bernstein, editor Benjamin Wolfen, and the entire Pure Hoops media team. Be sure to check out the Mike Wise Show each and every Monday. If you have not listened or watched the Mike Wise sit-down with David Stern yet, please check that out wherever you get your podcasts for audio. That is also uh, available on the Pure Hoops media 
YouTube channel, which we are starting to build out into 2020. Catch and Shoot 2.0 coming at you. The relaunch will happen right after Thanksgiving. Buckets Boy Box with Monica McNutt each and every Thursday. BJ and I back next week before Thanksgiving. Also, we have begun to work with Made Hoops. They do a ton of great work in the grassroots basketball space. We've launched the Made Hoops podcast with them, and they will be giving you all kinds of news, updates, info from the grassroots basketball world. Be sure to check out the Made Hoops podcast on our platform as well. My man, great show today. Have a great weekend, everybody. And of course, stay pure. Say it, BJ. Stay pure. Stay pure. (laughs) (laughs) The Pure Hoops podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.